Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. So I wanted to talk about stereotypes this morning. You know, stereotypes, it's been uh, framed. Stereotypes is the tool of the lazy. Because in lieu of actually thinking about or analyzing the person or thing in front of you, we easily fall into stereotypes. Now, as a general rule, the stereotype of Jews is, is that Jews are smart. Now, for the record, I've spent my whole life around Jews. I know that not every Jew is smart. But there's this wonderful joke told about this mythical city in Europe that was populated only by Jews. It's called the city of Chelm. And in Chelm, we are told that the Jews there had a debate that went on for decades. And the rabbi, of course, was in the middle of this decade-long debate. The debate was, which was more important and more powerful, the sun or the moon? And finally, at the very end of this decade-long debate, it was concluded by the Jews of Chelm that it must be the moon that is more powerful than the sun, because after all, the sun only shines when it's light outside. So the stereotype of Jews being smart, clearly we make jokes about ourselves that that's not always Certainly not always the case. But I thought about stereotypes for two reasons this week. The Torah portion for this morning creates a stereotype, and some weekday current events shattered them. So let's take a look at the Torah portion. The Torah portion for this morning tells us of the foundational story. Closely now we're drawing into the beginnings of the people that we know as the people of Israel. We've already spoken about Abraham. We've spoken about Isaac. And now this morning we hear about the birth of a set of twins, one who will be called Esau, Esav, the second who is Yaakov, Jacob. The Torah tells us very early on after their birth, when they grow up, they frame the two individuals in this way. They say that Esav, Esau, is an Ish Sadeh, Ish Sayyid. He's a man of the field. He's a hunter. And Yaakov, Jacob, is an Ishtam Yosheva Walim. He's a simple man who stays home. When I was, I was teaching a class this week, and when I spoke about this verse from the Torah, I then asked the people on Zoom a question. I said, which one do you think was Jewish? And of course, everyone in the blink of the moment said, of course, Jacob. Why is Jacob Jewish? Jacob is Jewish is because he's a nice boy. He stays home. He's quiet. He's simple. Esau, Esau is the one who's running in the fields, planting things, harvesting things, shooting animals, capturing animals. The stereotype, of course, plays itself out in perhaps a more conventional, cultural way. It goes like this. Which actors are considered to you to be Jewish? Harrison Ford, James Franco, James Kahn, Kirk Douglas, Daniel Radcliffe, or Larry David and Woody Allen? Of course, we all readily acknowledge that it's Woody Allen and Larry David. And yet all the other actors that I mentioned, these, for lack of a better term, these manly, robust men who are considered to be the man's men of the cinema world, Lee Schreiber, right, also a towering physical presence. All these people are Jewish 
I was surprised to learn, in fact, that Harrison Ford and James Franco are Jewish. Daniel Radcliffe, too. The list goes on and on, by the way. This is not an exhaustive list. And yet, once again, the stereotype of the Jew in modern culture, the stereotype is, is that it's Larry David and it's Woody Allen. In other words, the Jewish stereotype is the story of mind over body. That it is the mind that is the most powerful thing in the world and not the body. It's reinforced also by the perpetual stories that Jews tell about ourselves. The stories of centuries, in particular in Europe, of victimhood, of our inability to defend ourselves. That we ran into our study houses and into our synagogues for safety and refuge. That our place of surety and security were not with bows and arrows and guns and swords and shields, but they were with books and with prayers and with songs. That that is what we have told ourselves over and over again. And I want to tell you a story. Years ago, I read of the biography, not so many years ago, in fact, about four years ago, about the story of a man named Joe Greenstein. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Greenstein. He passed away about 15 years ago at the age of 84, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, now that I'm thinking about it. Joe Greenstein was born in the late 1800s in Poland. He was born three months premature. It was a miracle that he survived. His family in Poland, to call them poor would have been a compliment. And uh, he was small, underweight, sickly, when he was a young child, they also thought he was going to die because he had developed tuberculosis. He was very short. He was about 5'1 or 5'2. And at the age of 14 or 15, he ran away from home and joined the circus because one day he had sneaked into a circus. He didn't have money to buy a ticket. He had snuck into the circus called the Isakov Brothers Circus. And he saw this Russian strongman. His name was Champion Volochek. And he saw the strongman act. They don't have strongman acts anymore, pretty much. But in the time, people like Houdini and other people, they would bend iron bars and they would pull things of incredible weight. And he saw Champion Volochek do this and he became absolutely mesmerized. And he joined the circus. Eventually, he ran away, and he made his way to the United States, and he became a phenomenon. What, conc what concretized his mission to become a showman and a strong man was, when he came to the United States, he worked in the, uh, at the harbor in New Orleans. And he had gotten into a fight with somebody, and a, and a gun had been discharged, striking him in his forehead. He didn't die. <laughs> they pulled the bullet out of his forehead. Joe Greenstein, whose actual name was Yosela Greenstein, went on to become a phenomenon. After Shabbat, you could do no worse for yourself than to type in the mighty atom, A-T-O-M, and look at the Wikipedia entry for Yosela Greenstein. He died at the age of 84. 
him and his, his wife, uh, Leia Goldstein, she was also from Poland. They, they were married something like 60-something years. Clearly, he was a very physical person. They had 10 children. But Joe Greenstein is known for, for performing these remarkable feats of physical strength. He bent iron with his bare hands. He pulled, he stopped actually a moving plane with his bare hands. He pulled a truck laden with concrete with the hair in his head. And so he was up until I think the age of 80 or something, he was still performing in Madison Square Garden. People came to buy tickets to see him do these remarkable things. The story is told that when he was in his 60s, he was walking in the uh, Upper East Side of New York and he was mugged by 10 youths by Harlem. All 10 of the youths ended up in the hospital. And they asked the question over and over again. Oh, and one last thing. They say that the Jewish creators of Superman were inspired because they had seen Yossel the Greenstein in performance. It is a fantastic story. And all which reminds and tells us of a deeper truth that Jews tell themselves. And that is that there are in fact stories where Jews are people of body. The modern story of Jews in this era of the past century is the story of Jews who applied their bodies in building a country, in protecting themselves, building societies, building buildings, because to build things in this world, not to think about building things, but to build things in this world, that requires great physical energy. Great physical energy. I thought about it this week. Because in case you're not plugged into this, and I'm not so plugged into it myself, because as many of you know, I'm a one-sport man, I love hockey, but in the NBA draft this week, taken number nine overall, was the first Israeli ever taken in the first round. It was Denny Avadia. And Denny Avadia, his father was from Serbia, his mother was a native, she's a Tzabra, she's a native Israeli. He grew up up north in Israel in a kibbutz called Beit Zera, which is a shoot off of Deganya. If you've ever been up north by uh, Tveria and whatnot, Deganya Aleph, Deganya Bet, Deganya Gimel, these are the early great uh, kibbutzim that flourished up north. They are still powerhouses of uh, industry and agriculture. They're beautiful spaces too. And next time you're in Israel, and I hope you can go soon, you should definitely go to the Ganya, in particular, in particular, to the uh, cemetery in Deganya Aleph. It's an historical site with many important Israelis there. So, so Denny. Uh, grew up not far from the Ganya Bet in Beit Zera. And the very idea, you know, the old joke was, the old joke at the closest that great Jews ever came to athletics were being sports agents. The other joke when I was growing up was that the smallest book in the library is the book of great Jewish athletes. But it's not true. There have been great Jewish athletes. Sandy Koufax to name one, great Jewish boxers. The Torah goes on to tell us about Jacob and Esau, something that isn't so apparent at the very beginning of the story. 
We're told that Jacob, excuse me, that Esau is this hunter, this man of the field. And then Jacob is this simple man who sits in the tents. The ancient rabbis later, later go on to interpret. What does it mean he sits in the tents? What, what does that mean? I mean, he stays home inside all day inside the tents? They go, no. The word for a tent in Hebrew is an ohel. And the tent, the ohel, that in fact Jacob stayed in was that he was in a yeshiva all day studying Torah. But that ancient rabbinic interpretation belies the truth of the story. That Jacob, early on in his life, is expelled from his home. He hits the road marching all the way from Beersheba in Israel to what is now modern-day northern Iraq. He becomes a masterful shepherd. He acquires wives. He has many children. And I don't have to be explicit to say to you, that's a physical task. And Jacob, in his later years, when he returns back to what would be known as the land of Israel, is a man who encompasses a value and idea that Jews should think of themselves as, not as the Woody Allen and Larry David, although certainly that's fine too. But Jacob comes to embody something that we seldom acknowledge about ourselves. And that is that in Judaism we are asked to mesh both mind and body. That you can be powerful of body and you can be powerful of mind. That you can be a person of physicality but not be a person of violence. They don't have to go hand in hand. I remember reading years ago that the Haggadot, the Passover Haggadahs of the 18th century, the 19th century, the 17th century, the ones that had images in them, when it came to the question of the four sons, the last one was the, uh, was the Rasha, the evil son, and then the Haggadot in Europe, what was the image of the evil son? It was the image of a soldier. Because in the eyes of the European Jews, soldiers were evil people that they were employed by the government to oppress them. But how remarkable it is that we live in a moment where young Jewish children can look at the image of a soldier and know that there are Jews who are soldiers and that there's a Jewish army. And not that this Jewish army is perfect, because no army is, but that this Jewish army holds itself to a standard. I'm not just being physical, but also using their brains. I'm not just having the hands of Esau, but having the voice of Jacob. I'm not just strength, but morality. And the morality and the brains makes us even more powerful. So you want to talk about stereotypes? Okay, you can have Woody Allen and Larry David. But when you think more about Jewish stereotypes, think about this. Think about Trumpeldor. Think about Denny Ovadia. Think about people who, who uh, embody the physicality and strength. One last story I want to tell you. I remember watching uh, an interview years ago about Kirk Douglas, once again Jewish. Kirk Douglas, he, he made a movie in the 1950s called The Vikings. 
And actually, the scene is available on Google, too, because this week when I thought about what I wanted to talk to you about, I looked at the scene again on Google. When they made the movie, they had to reconstruct one of those massive Viking ships with the big oars standing out. And one of the scenes were is that they needed someone to jump from oar to oar to oar to oar, from the front of the boat to the back of the boat. And the problem the director had is that none of the stuntmen could do it. There was only one person who could do it. It was Kirk Douglas. And the interviewer asked him years later if that was the hardest stunt he ever did. You know what Kirk Douglas said? He says, nah, it was easy. <laughs> As Jews, the story of Jacob reminds us, yes, we have minds, but our bodies are strong too. Shabbat shalom.